Hello, everyone. This is Andrea in Taking Charge of Your Life, and this is show number nine. This show is an interview with um, someone I've known for so many years, maybe lifetimes, and a fundamental guide, instructor in my life. She was my yoga teacher, and and we're just going to go right in, and I'm going to introduce Linda Mitchell, who is on the line with me right now. Hello, Linda. Hello, Andrea. How are you? I'm really well. I'm I'm giddy with the way we're connecting today, that it happens so utterly spontaneous after you making me wait. <laughs> I, I think you. I think um, people should know that uh, we were in the yoga world in Bloomington, Indiana, back in the was it the late eighties? Yeah, it was from around probably eighty four to ninety three. All yeah. right, and we we sat around and drank. Um, aromatic teas. I, you're the only person who ever uh, I drank those kind of weird teas with, and we had a lot of fun. <laughs> you know, one of my fondest memories was that when we would do alternate nostril breath, that we would do it so long, and everyone agreed that if we just went out, like spontaneously self-combusted, just there and then, that we would be very happy. <laughs> um, that's the power of alternate nostril breathing that most people have no idea about. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and with the modern technology, if you set your timer for five minutes and decide that you're just going to do it, you're just going to try and, and see if you can hold on for five minutes, sit up straight, and put your feet flat on the floor, you have to do something um, physically uh, responsive to the fact that you're going to be turning inward to your breathing with this this technique. And, and if you want to slouch or lie in bed, uh, it won't work. Um, both you and I have tried that, and we know that. So mm-hmm. I guess this is a message sort of for your, your listeners that five minutes isn't 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 a very long time, and before you know it, your little your little chime will, will let you know that five minutes is up, and then you tap it again and do another five minutes, mm-hmm. and you'll be surprised. You might end up doing fifteen minutes with no real effort whatsoever, except just sitting still and and keeping upright, and let let the feeling of the air. Uh, really expand your lungs and and press against tissues inside of you that you don't even know are there. It's you do it by um, changing the count of your breath, any count you want, actually. But I don't know. Do most people uh, get instruction through your podcast on on breathing exercises? And do you explain it, or are we talking to people who? have an idea about alternate nostril breathing? Well, potentially. Um, the 
the platform of the podcast does have um, reference to yoga and yoga in its truest form, not just asana. And, you know, I'm very hot on pranayama. It's what I've taught more in the last few years than any asana class. Um, have my own you know, series that I do. And when I when I really reflect back to what we were doing in your studio, we were always just buzzing with, like, Bromery or, I mean, alternate nostril for sure. Um, likewise, just the count, like you said, like, we can just bring breath in and expand um, either the chest or bring it down into the abdomen. Uh-huh. Uh, and just eventually be in and lost in breath itself. It, it, there, yeah. it works because you do it. You don't have to believe or or hope that it's going to work. It will work if you do it. And if you choose, a, you know, a, a time when you can be alone for a little bit, even if it's only five minutes, you'll, you'll find that you might have another five minutes allowed for you by the universe who who looks over you and sees that you're doing something that's really valuable. Mm-hmm. And then you might and then the whole household around you seems to organize it automatically and you'll find that your day goes better. Really, it's amazing. I love so, that you just said that. The whole household organizes around you. It's so true. Yeah. It's the it's the ripple of ripples. Yeah. The, the chaos that you you might be um, reacting to, you know, because maybe things are askew or you didn't get enough sleep the night before or you, you drank too much whiskey um, at the last party and you're feeling weird and alternate nostril breathing or any of your yoga um, senses that have been activated by your yoga practice and the asanas you like to do, will help to write, you know, set you right. But the breathing exercises are, is part of the very traditional yoga practice that you and I uh, started with, you know. And, yeah. And the very traditional yoga is is sort of on the back burner for most yoga studios, I've noticed. Everyone's uh, hyped up by um, the whole... Um, mechanics of uh, how popular and bodybuilding yoga can be. But the so the subtle aspects of breathing are sort of swept under the rug. But we started with them and we were lucky um, because yoga wasn't uh, something that was on every street corner and, and we we weren't overwhelmed by, you know, which yoga to choose. We just went to the books and did what the books told us, and that's pretty much how I learned. Really, I learned from uh, I learned from um, teachers who had learned the same way. We all just pooled our knowledge and read about everything, and we went to um, workshops in Chicago. That was the closest place we could get to four hours away. 
mm-hmm. for any training. And it was the Himalayan Institute, and, and it was completely, totally breathing exercises and the philosophical aspects of yoga. The asana practice was was just when we were getting um, antsy or we needed a recess break, you know, like kids in mm-hmm. school. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you were the perfect platform teacher for me. You were my literally my second solid teacher, my other being uh, Lori Collins in Indianapolis, which was yeah. Iyengar. So, you know, I had uh-huh. an Iyengar introduction and all that technique was has been incredibly valuable and studied with him. Well, you were you were um, such a responsive, fun, exuberant student. <laughs> uh-huh <laughs> it was it was really fun to have you in class you You just obviously loved yoga mm-hmm. and and every yoga teacher loves their students mm-hmm. you love this you know whoever walks in the door because they mm-hmm. come to you and and they're opening up to you and what you can teach them it's, and and teaching is a a real blessing for anybody. You teach what you need to know, and you respond if if you can. You learn from your students. You you watch them and interact with them, even if they don't realize that that's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So for for the sake of uh, continuity with the show, Linda's call dropped. She's talking to me from the top of a building in New York City, and I am outside uh, where I live in Asheville around the pool because it's a beautiful day. And Linda, are you there? Yes, I am. <laughs> okay. You can, I've, I've, you, I rattled on, so you've, you've got a lot of stuff to edit. Oh, well, I don't, we'll see what came up, and that's fine. And, and um, I just know that you, you, you had to call back in, right? Yes, I did. Okay. All right, so the last thing I heard you say was um, how the stu- the teacher really ends up loving their students so much. It's like a student comes forward and it's very vulnerable. It's a very sacred and vulnerable relationship that I am so lucky I've had in my life since I was 17 on one level or another, and then also been able to be a teacher. And there was nothing I sought after. It found me always and forever. <laughs> found me. So you were um, sort of expanding on that <clears throat> that thought and um, well, from your student and all that. When um, um, I continued after you left um, and retired uh, after about 38 years of teaching, and I so I I taught a lot of. Um, uh, I, I had a lot of teachers training um, programs um, during the last 20 years because yoga was exploding and everybody wanted to get involved with with becoming a teacher. But one thing that was hard to deal with a little bit um, was, and I would tell my interns, um, you don't you don't want to don't be possessive or so protective of your students 
uh, you know, you need to let them uh, develop on their own. And it's very easy for a teacher who loves his or her students to control them, to try to control them and to keep them under their wing. That was a, um, a completely different uh, path than what we were on when we started with the breathing. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I, I had I had teachers who were with me for um, years, and some of them um, were just sort of involved in their own practice, and they allowed the students to come and be instructed by them. So they were sort of remote from their students, but the the most of the interns uh, were were so happy to be teaching and to, to have um, a group of students who believed what they were saying and 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 profited from yoga that they became fairly possessive of their students. And it was it to run a, a a yoga studio that it made it difficult. So I was constantly I trying trying to um, uh, not interfere with those relationships, but to 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 guide it so that it wouldn't happen, so that possessiveness would not happen. It's almost like a you know too much mothering or or too much uh, care giving, uh, too much caretaking. Uh, oh, it can, yeah. um, you know, it, it's, it, it's, it, 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 it messes up um, relationships very easily. So, well, it's why I said to you that you were the perfect teacher for me because what you're talking about in my in, in the deepest way for where I can receive it and expand upon it is that yoga is really about letting go, ultimately. How do you learn how to, you know, breathe in life and let go of life in every moment and not be so attached? I mean, it's like the biggest yoga tenant. And that I left to move to New York was why I left your studio. But, you know, the, it was always just coming to the studio and I saw myself as an intern there. We did everything. It, we slept. We, I mean, we did whatever it took. But there wasn't an agenda. It was showing up and doing the practice. Right, right. And it, was, yeah. and it wasn't until a visit in New York City, I think you even came to my apartment, and you said, by the way, you're certified. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I said, oh, okay. And... And I, I don't know if that came before or after I had spent a summer on Fire Island and was in a yoga class, and the teacher had to leave the island and said to me, look, you clearly know what you're doing. Will you take over my class? And I think this is in, like, 96 and, or 95. And I said, sure. So I ended up having this yoga class just handed to me for the remainder of the summer. And then after that, when I went back to the city and I was in the East Village, I was seeding all these little yoga studios. This was before, like, given Lucy was kind of just sprouting and Krishna Das was starting to chant in, you know, small rooms in the East Village. And it was so organic. And there was no, like, agenda is the best word I can have for it. 
It wasn't a thing. Yeah. It yeah. was a love. Yeah. And I used well, it a lot for, for performing. Yeah. That's um that's wonderful to hear. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really wonderful feedback, you know. I almost wish I had my studio. I've been retired sort of for three years now. And mm-hmm. I um I I don't miss the uh, paperwork and the marketing and, and how it it turned out. I had I had extra insurance and taxes and so the business aspect of it. So um you know, sort of freelancing and and offering your your services wherever there's somebody accepts you and and know it can recognize that you know what you're doing is um, is is a really good way for people to continue their their own practice. Is mm-hmm. it's the it's that word you just used the no agenda mm-hmm. is um, is sort of key. If there's mm-hmm. an agenda, I mean, yoga is not goal oriented at all. You mm-hmm. you just do it. And if what you're doing is is helping yourself and others, then it's right. Mm-hmm. And that seems to have happened uh, for both of us. I think we're both lucky. Yeah, absolutely. And like saying again, like the perfect you being the perfect teacher for me, is that neither of us had an agenda. It was so organic. We weren't ever thinking about it. And you just gave me a blessing. You visit me in New York, and then you said I'm certified. And I laugh when I say that because it's <laughs> a whole certification deal now. Because when people want to know my background, you know, it's like yeah. you know, I am part of Yoga Alliance, but I don't keep it up. But but my background, I say I'm from the apprentice style tradition of yoga. I mean, it took thousands of hours, thousands. I didn't go yeah. for you know exactly. four weeks. Like I really was devoted. Um, yeah. It was a deva- de- devotional place inside of me that met my teacher and then was able to get from you or whomever after that and end up with a path in life that was like breathing. It was like breathing. It was like, you know, I can't, like I can't even talk about yoga, what it has meant to me. And it's, you know, certainly it's not an aerobic event, is what I can say. It's probably, right. probably going to end up in the Olympics, right? Isn't yoga going to show up in the Olympics? Um, yeah, well, you know, they have um, competitive yoga and, and sort of interesting, but it's it's, mm-hmm. it's athletic and it's um, it's competitive and and it's it's a different kind of yoga and it's evolving that way and there's nothing wrong with that really, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's but and it, but it's it's just different. It's different than than the way it was in the beginning. So there are lots of choices. Um, pe- there are a lot of people interested in yoga, and but they they might get into a very competitive class um, that's way advanced for them, and be discouraged. Or or somebody uh, with a lot of training in dance and and athletics might get into a very meditative class that's quiet and calming, and be bored and antsy and feel like they need more. 
um, so that's a real tricky balance to handle for a teacher to figure out. And, and you, know, you have to let go of those students who, who are looking for um, sort of the modern celebrity-oriented competitive yoga. And time will, I always say once a yogi, always a yogi. Even one yoga class um, teaches you way more than you realize, and it might take 10 or 15 years before you find um, that kind of sense of yoga again if you get too busy to pursue it, you know. If you take your time with it and and just let it come to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What a life lesson. Would it come to you? I mean, just be able to respond to the things that come your way. Yeah, just be Uh, open to, open to everything is fine. And, and, and trust your instincts, you know, trust, trust yourself. But if something's not right for you, you, you don't have to do it. If you don't like, yeah. um, you know, if you don't like the temperature of the room, or if it's too dark or too light, or there's too many people, or there aren't enough people, or um, just be open for something else, and it'll happen. You just let it, let it evolve. That makes me think about the classes that I have gone to where my inner dialogue was processing some level of discomfort, whether it was, um, usually for me it would be heat, not necessarily being able to do an asana, but it would be somehow either toxins were getting released or I was getting too hot. <clears throat> and so I would snap really quickly into, oh, now I get to choose whether I'm going to follow the continuing instruction here or whether I'm uh-huh. going to, like, lay down or going to child pose. And I remember that being very empowering for me. It's, what you, it's just what you said. You know, you get to find your mastery in whatever class you're in. You, get, you know, you don't have to do exactly what's being um, asked of you to do, if it's, especially if it's not working. And, you know, people get hurt in yoga classes all the time. Yeah. Well. And, yeah. you know, I've... I have found since I've been in Asheville that I, that I have been teaching because there's a lot of classes here. I was teaching for a couple of years, and I kept finding myself becoming a fundamental teacher, meaning that I would always go, that, go right to everyone's feet or right to like, hey, you don't even have the right, you're not even standing right. I mean, I always have to go there yes. because that's right. where I come from. You know, I can't just go, oh, we're going to do all this, even though nobody's even got their feet connected. So, you know, yeah. I didn't care so much that people would be like, this is boring, but I'm going to have people connecting their feet to the floor. I'm just starting yes. to breathe. And, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it's, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's uh, um, less is more and... Uh, back to the beginning is always, always a, a good idea every so often for even the most advanced and, and athletic of teachers. Back, and, and, you know, the end becomes the beginning. It's all a cycle. 
And mm-hmm. yoga training, um, if it if it uh, it goes on and on and on, uh, sort of Olympic style, it will will be something else. It'll be I don't know. They might have you know a very odd props that they introduce and they flip over. It might turn into gymnastics. I don't know for sure what could happen, but. It's, it's never a mistake to go back to the beginning and to open your mind and and be a beginner once again. And for the most advanced of teachers, it's never a mistake. An advanced teacher would recognize too that the beginner's mind is what is where everything is at. Right. You know, there's nowhere that you've arrived to, basically, just because you've done yoga. Do you like the? Mm-hmm. Do you have any students who just who come and just lie down and not move during the whole class? I have had remain, that. Remain mm-hmm. conscious. Sometimes they fall asleep, and if they fall asleep, I always think, "Oh, that's wonderful." You know, they needed to fall asleep. They needed that mm-hmm. sleep, and here they are getting their sleep. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes they snore, and and sometimes I would um, end the class and just leave the building and leave, you know, let them wake up when they felt like it. Um, they always felt sort of sheepish afterwards that they had sucked or just zoned <laughs> out through the class. Yeah. But, and most people feel like they're not getting their money's worth if, they, if they're not moving. Uh-huh. But sure. I, um, I had a student who came and would lie down, and he would move very little. He was listening. He was paying attention. He was, his body was reacting in the way it was meant to react. He had a stressful um, job, and he, I would just point him out as the most advanced student in the room. He's right over there, not moving a muscle. <laughs> just, just so people... So the students felt like if they wanted to do that, they could too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, besides, you have a supremely calming voice that wherever it takes the person is right. And, you know, I have a client right now in my life who was a yoga student of mine last year. And he told me one of the reasons that he liked my class was he liked my voice. So there's something about that uh, tension-relieving sonic situation that a teacher carries or doesn't carry. And and I do feel like the voice, the vocal part, is pretty essential um, either to, like, I can only imagine maybe how Iyengar spoke to people. I studied with that Dao Porchon Lynch. You know who she is in New York? She's 90-something, and she was Iyengar's first female student when she was 12. She convinced him. She shamed him into teaching her. So this is a long time and, ago in India. And and, and um, she shamed him because... Because he didn't want to teach women. Because he said he oh, didn't really? teach women. Oh. He had a friend of hers step forward. Uh, found uh-huh. him and said, we want to study yoga. And he goes, no, no, you know, I don't, not for women. And she was, a, you know, precocious 12-year-old year old, and she said, well, well, yeah, why why wouldn't it be? 
And so whatever uh-huh. it was in her that ignited in him that possibility to teach a female, she was one of the first. And for some reason, as I'm talking about the voice, I'm considering what his voice might have been like. I would imagine he could have at times just been like real sharp, you know, had that like yeah, cut, through, right. cut through you kind of thing. Whereas I think mm-hmm. both you and I probably have this more like smoothing, um, unraveling, uh, helping someone unravel. However it is, I don't even want to define it. It's just a kind of a tangent I found myself considering as we were speaking about it and, and how fascinating all the, um, the nuances to what a teacher brings to a class. And what the class brings to that teacher, like you were saying, how I always learned so much from the people that showed up. I could see, it helped me see what I could understand and not understand, too, about a particular. Yeah, uh, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, beautiful. it's such a gift, too. To, it is the one thing, you know, like I said, it found me, asked me to teach. So I didn't know I was a teacher. I never even thought about being a teacher in this life, and uh, it has come well, more and more. Um, uh, you know, Bobby Knight, um, who was um, the Indiana University coach in Bloomington, Indiana at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked with him, remember? Remember I used to work with him when I was a travel mm-hmm. agent? Yeah, he was my, yeah, I used to have to go sit with him oh. and help him sing in his, his recruit. Yeah. Yep. Did you? I didn't know mm-hmm. that. Oh my gosh! Yeah, he was a friend of ours. He um he played uh, he played tennis with my husband. They they met on the tennis court, mm-hmm. and and they got along really well. Even though my husband's really mild matter mannered, and and Bobby Knight is a volatile person and and um, authoritarian and and you know a winning coach at the time, and he could get away with a lot of things. Um, but I want to ask him um. Uh, if his if he wanted his son to follow in his footsteps, and he said no, uh, I I coach my my players so that they do not have to play basketball all their lives. He says, mm-hmm. I I. And he believed in education, uh, uh, an academic yeah. education, and he 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 wouldn't let them play if they weren't um, making passing grades in their courses. Mm-hmm. He was he was just uh, adamant about that. And I thought, you know, here uh, I just at the time, like you, I related everything to yoga, and I thought it it was such a yogic thing to say, you know, yeah. that you you want your students to go beyond you. Mm-hmm. And he wanted his he wanted his players to go beyond him. Here he was, a coach, and his his son was uh, um, on the bench, a young son, and then his son ended up playing as a walk on, etc. But he mm-hmm. he wanted uh, he, he didn't he 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 said he taught in such a way that they wouldn't have to play basketball all their lives, and so you can actually. Uh, sort of uh, translate that into uh, even going beyond yoga, you know, and going beyond um, the uh, structures, the 
the rules and the regulations. Uh, yoga is a very controlled, really. The postures are so um, important as far as alignment. Um, that's why you want, you know, we practice standing on uh, a tree pose or the mountain pose for longer than we ever do on our own in order to just feel what a real uh, mountain posture should feel like and, and just imagine that you're a mountain or even imagine that you're a tree. You know, trees sort of wobble in the big storms and you might wobble on the floor of your yoga class just like a normal tree on one leg. And so, uh, but then you get good at doing that and then you forget what it's like and, and you go beyond that. And so you go beyond everything finally and then that's when you're a true master, I think, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. And that's then so beautifully we, we said. Could, mm-hmm. And... Uh, <laughs> We could do a whole new podcast on masters and mastery someday. It's so true. It's so true. true. And, you know, I feel sometimes as though, you know, I'm like, I question myself, what have I mastered? And I notice because I study drumming right now, and it takes all this cross-referencing in my brain, and I feel sometimes like just, you know, blubbering, not, you know, I don't get it, and, you know, like all the reflexes aren't there. But I had a flash one day where I thought, wow, I'm getting a lot of information on instruction, and yet I related it to when I can do that with people with yoga, where, like, I know all these levels to share where they haven't put all those pieces together. And, you know, having done yoga over 30 years, there's got to be some level of understanding, um, because I do it as a, I just do it. It's still in my practice, right? Right, right. And and my, a friend and I were just on the phone and she told me that she was having, um, having to get off Facebook and things because she was getting triggered and she said she, was, she goes into downward dog instead of going into social media. And so she had a question for me about her hands and how to get the pressure out of her wrist. So on the phone, she's in Downward Dog, and I'm talking with her about her hands, about her tailbone, about everything, and finally it clicked. And I don't know how long she's been going to classes. And uh, it just felt, it was a great conversation because um, we got somewhere, and she had an aha moment on the phone in <laughs> Downward Dog. Because she's in New Jersey, and I'm, you know, obviously not. So... We yeah. can transmit from where we're at. And you're on a rooftop in New York City right now. Yes, Is that correct? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. sitting under an umbrella against the sun. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I'm yeah. looking at a very tall building with a really beautiful water tower on top of it. Oh, on the upper west side. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, so it comes... If you if are you still there? Yes, I'm here. It um it just it just all of the things come together when you're just open and listening and paying attention, you know? That's 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 what expanded consciousness is all about. 
and being ready for whatever information is there that you're ready to receive. And that's what happened with your friend, uh, the person you were talking about with downward dogs. Mm-hmm. The other yep. thing about downward dog is if, if it's hurting you, if it's hurting your wrist, and your wrists are, are not weight-bearing joints, so you shouldn't mm-hmm. do it as long or as much as, as as you might be doing it, you know, day after day or week after week. It should be a, a, a it, for most people, it's a transitional pose from one, one pose to the other. But in many classes, it's, um, you know, it, sometimes it's exaggerated and there's too much of it and it, it can, it's tricky for the, the wrist. It becomes sustained, right, versus just transitory. Yeah. Yeah. That's why the Asturia Namaskar, the salute to the sun, is good because it moves you through the postures at a, mm-hmm. at a controlled pace um, where you, if, if you do it early in the morning facing the sun like you're meant to do, you're going to be really stiff. And if you're um, holding the postures any longer than about four or five seconds, um, it, it, it disturbs it. It changes the rhythm of that series. That series is meant to be a flowing series without stopping. And so, if you do stop and start to concentrate on one aspect of it, especially early in the morning, you might feel that you you're not quite prepared. Your body is not quite awake enough for it. But that's that's sort of technical information that you might want to edit out. No, I believe it's perfect information. You, you know, um, the um, Shivananda series, you know, is very specific. I would go there sometimes in New York, and and they start. How did that one? I'm trying to remember what what it started with, but at its essence, it talks about the actual sequence which has been really distorted for me in mm-hmm. contemporary yoga. And as we spoke about earlier, it's better to have yoga than not have it, but there's a lot of misunderstanding out there as well. And there's a reason things are done in a sequence that they are done in. Um, it is used to wake up the body clearly, uh, get you out of stiffness and warm your body for the day. Um, and live in your cells, all of that. And I think some people hit the ground running with it. And that's certainly never been my style or what has drawn me to yoga. I mean, I'm already kind of kinetic enough. You know, I use it for like yeah. that, falling into the breath and allowing mm-hmm. the like onion of my psyche to unravel and have more awareness and relaxation, yeah. ultimately. You know, I know in India that really it's all about meditation. You know, it's not yeah, exactly right. about, you know. Um, well, uh, yeah. Uh, moving through life, uh, as the years and decades pass, uh, you understand why, uh, you understand how people become philosophical about life. Because your body changes a lot. Mm-hmm. 
And it, and if you're not paying attention to your body, you're going to start abusing it because you 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 don't want. It's hard to face the fact that you cannot do the things you did before, like even last year. All of us, you know, something happens. Your body says, "Okay, that's enough. I don't. I've done that ten thousand times. I don't want to do it another time uh, for the next couple of years. Let it heal. Let's let it. Let's let it alone. Try to find something." Uh, adjust and and go with the changes that are happening. Yoga can always help you. Um, and believe it or not, the easiest and the slowest and the most meditative of yoga is what the masters end up with and benefit from the most. And and it's, it, is, it is a very philosophical state of being at that point. And when you're young and um, hot-dogging and have tons mm-hmm. of energy, and like you said, you, you're a kinetic person, mm-hmm. um, you don't need that. You need to channel that energy. It needs to be, um, it, uh, you need to realize uh, what yoga can teach you about that energy and then channel it so that it's not wasted and it's not exploding and hurting you or anybody else. And meditation and breathing exercises can help, but the postures help you to, um, because they're physical, they help you with that in the very younger um, younger yoga student, actually. Yeah. It, 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 and I, you probably taught children, right? No, not so much. The, out of the exception of a friend bringing a, like their daughter or son to a class, but it's never well, been nice. Uh, um, children's classes are really odd, interesting to teach, and it's it's tricky because parents want their kids to be yogic and and not hyperactive, and they don't want them on Ritalin. So you yeah. get a bunch of of, of active kids. And it's a very different class than you would teach in a, uh, to an adult class. But you know what they love? They love om, om, om. They love chanting om. They love uh-huh. sitting sitting on the floor still and being led on a journey, a mental journey of calm and sunshine and green meadows and 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 chanting. Uh-huh. They love chanting. They will om their way out the door and down the stairs when they leave. Uh I love that. The, the parents, the parents want them to get rid of, you know, they want them to sort of train their bodies. They want, they, it's like putting them in a gymnastics class or a karate class or something. They, mm-hmm. they, they want the kids to do something uh, physical. Mm-hmm. But um, the 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 actual uh, adult yoga is different from kids yoga, but it's surprising how kids like. Uh, things that yoga offers that many adults consider far out. Um, you know, yeah. Many, many, many students aren't interested in oming their way around the world. Okay. Oh, it's so true. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, when they get older, they'll, they'll get, they'll understand eventually. I think. I think well, they will. And don't you feel like you're saying that the kids that are coming in now, or at least who you have seen. There's a different thing that they need, so they don't have to do what we did. 
It's just the way yeah. the way of the world. Well, it, it, it's a totally and, different world. Yes, already. Yeah. Mm-hmm, That's right. Mm-hmm. There there's more information around, and everybody's trying to get as much information as possible because it's available and it's easy to get. But how do you handle it? How do you channel it? It's, yeah. If well, you're they're more meditative. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, our nervous systems and our, um, can only handle so much. Our brains can handle, uh, according to the, the brain scientists, we can uh, process a lot more information than than they did 100 years ago or well, 500 years ago, we can handle it. So the younger generation uh, is being brought up to to do just that. And um, yoga is just one of the tools that can help them not, not go off the deep end with too much information, I, I think. I, I'm, that's my big uh, hope for the future. <laughs> is it, yeah. Every, yeah. Every, well, everybody gets exposed somehow and and finds the best part of yoga that will work for them and will help them keep sane. Yeah, right. And, you know, and realize that, like, what is their sanity? Because if you're just going to, well, if you're like me, then I'm all about change. And, you know, the old ways aren't necessarily the right ways. And that's just in me inherently. So... Uh, I embrace the insane, right? But we're talking about it in, you know, you don't want to go insane to where you aren't rooted in your body. You know, you want to be in your body. You want to find your voice. You want to find your expression. And yoga is so helpful in that. And and certainly get off your phones and meditate or be meditative in your life. And I think one of the new ways is the brain. You know, like the brain is now like under talk. People are talking about it. There's brainwave centers. You can go get hooked up to things. So people are finding out what, how their brains are firing. Well, to me, that's pranayama. <laughs> you know, I feel like pranayama. I, I want a national day every year that would say, today at 1 o'clock, I'll breathe. And, you know, yeah. you're not going to be angry okay. in about 10 minutes. No, don't like I dare you to be angry now after you've done really intense <laughs> breath work for ten and twenty minutes. It's just not gonna happen. So I hold the, I hold that as a possibility. Yeah. The pranayama <laughs> breathing exercises change brain chemistry. Mhm. Yeah. If you don't believe it, Google it. Because there are right. now there are now uh, accredited Scientific studies of, of of meditation in the brain that are, have been in the works for the past fifteen years. There's a whole lot been uh, a whole lot of studies have come out of Sweden, for example, a country you know um, where maybe they're worried about their suicide rate. It's sort of dark up there, and they have a high suicide rate. Anyway, so I get all sorts of posts on my uh, my news feed of um, people I've never realized knew anything about yoga or meditation and they're they're trying they're urging everybody just try meditation every day for ten minutes. It makes your day go better. You'll see. Just try it. And so so it's not just um accredited uh certified teachers who are you know, 
scheduling classes and, and getting you to come for a solid hour, even 10 minutes of meditation, 10 minutes of a breathing exercise that you like, will change your day. Like you said, set your phone or your clock, your alarm on your phone, or have reminders on your phone. Say you work nine to five. You know, these little reminders can go off. And right there, straighten up, take a yeah, breath. Exactly. And focus on that exhale because in that exhale, you are really changing your mind. That exhale can change everything. Um, you know, letting it all go, like all the way out, pulling the abdomen, like really squeezing that breath out. You know, it, it pushes things out of your whole field. And then you can go carry on. And then two hours later, seeing again, right? Yeah. And those alerts mean something. Sure. <laughs> Instead sure, of looking at people liking your post or whatever. You know, whatever, whatever, whatever works. Um, yeah. Well, wow. I've loved and talking then, to you. <laughs> what what go on and, go on and then what and 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 and, the, and what you really if you if you want to have a goal if you're mm. aiming for something just aim to be your own teacher mm. you know mm-hmm. um just gather from all of your teachers and and your friends and discussions that you have like this one uh information here and there and and use what you need and don't worry about the rest of it. And and your body and your uh, brain and your nervous system and your maybe who knows your joints and your your circulatory system and your kidneys and liver blah blah blah. All of that is the everything in you responds to uh, the attention you're paying and just a few moments. Now and then when you take deep breaths and clear your mind and let everything go, all that stress and tension, the whole body benefits and you have fewer medical bills. Yeah, I'm testament to that. Once again, I'm I'm reflecting on, I didn't need this call to remind me why you were such a big teacher for me. <laughs> but, 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 but truly, I feel like I teach just what you teach. Like I don't, I want people to find themselves. I don't want them to find me. Never right. been about that for me. It's like, no, no, no. You know, have the have the reason you were drawn to study with me. That's fine. That's important. That's just a magnetic situation. But ultimately, it's about reflecting them to them, whatever um, the space holder of a teacher can do with that. And it's only as vast as, you know, wherever I'm clear, is the amount of clarity I can offer, the amount of space I have in that listening that you were bringing up. And, you know, you're just so free and independent and you think outside the box. I mean, you would, we would be in class and you would say something like, hmm, I'm going to do this Qigong pose now. And truly, you gave me, you helped me find my yoga style too because I'll just like go, hmm, I'm going to do some Qigong now. We're going to do a course, sir. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because it was appropriate, because it fit the moment. And it's like getting a read on the room, just like a good actor can do. You get a read on your people. And so once again, I'm back to no agenda, just getting an intuitive and sensory pulse on, on the people that are, have come to work with you. 
mm-hmm. or anywhere in your life. And then that does create personal mastery because then you're not giving them a doctrine or something. You're just offering your own life experience. Right. Yeah. To the, yeah. Yeah. And I like, talking, I mean, that's what I'm drawn to usually, like someone that has their own personal mastery that's not really out of a, you know, it's not scripted. <laughs> Yeah, it, there, it, it, uh, perfection doesn't. Um, I don't think it. I think it angers the gods, as I've heard. So, uh, so if we're working for perfection, um, we're on a sort of a slippery slope. I think that uh, we all have uh, faults, and we all make. Um, none of us are perfect, so why should we be? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And we're human. Right. We're human. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have to, the, the judgment, you know, self-criticism. You know, I, I think I the one of the better things I've learned through, like, the helpful philosophy of yoga is that there's a way to do self-analysis that is absolutely not self-criticism. And that is something very hard to teach and something I'm generally always working on in my own self. And that's kind of a transmission. Do you know what I mean? Uh, so you mean, you mean, um, stop blaming yourself? Well, I mean, there's a way to use the mind for self-analysis that is not self-criticism or self-judgment. It's right, really, right. It's really like a contemplation that is not also a meditation. It's just another form of sitting and understanding um, how to write your path or see, you know, how you found yourself in a situation and use, utilize what uh, tools you have. Uh, so from my, from my own example, I would say that I, I just go there because I'm trained to do that. I'm trained to use, like, I know when I'm just being self-critical, self-judgment, and it's horrible. And if I sit yeah. and I go, want to go into meditation and that won't even happen, then I have to do some self-analysis. It's um, it's oh. kind of like critical analysis versus, uh-huh. um, you know, what would be called opinions or judgments or something like that. And uh, and one can do that in their yoga practice because when you're in, I mean, I remember my mantra early on because I, I swear I've always taught misfits. You know, back in the day when I would set up class, I would get the people that wouldn't go to the studios often, you know, that needed just to be very accepted, who might feel very judged. And so you don't judge. You can't look at the next guy and have that reflect your practice. It just won't work. Right. You you won't get anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's true. It's a barrier. It's a barrier. It's just a wall that gets put up. And it keeps you from um, getting to the light and, and the truth of that life is um, isn't meant to be so so complex and neurotic and and busy and and it can be simplified and and you let go of all of those concepts that prevent that from happening. They are just barriers. And just let them crumble, let them drop. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sitting under the umbrella, just like you are. We're having this conversation under a, a, a under some shade from the sun. 
<laughs> are we both are we both running out of power? <laughs> I I don't have, probably, I'm not plugged in. I don't know how much uh I uh and you wanted about ten minutes. I think you've got an ear. We've spoken we've spoken an hour and you know, just to recap, like there is no perfection and that is a boring slippery slope like you said. And allow your own practice, anyone listening, to be organic and be informed from your inner guide. And and uh, and it's just been a pleasure to hear, you know, what you're come from and and uh, your wealth of um, experience and knowledge. And the only question left unanswered for me is, how was it that you finally, um, what made you start a yoga practice back when you did? when it was hard to find. Or... I, I was, um, I heard about a free yoga class being offered in Bloomington by a librarian. Her name was Claudia Swisher. And I, mm-hmm. I, uh, I was curious. Um, I didn't know a thing about it. I ended up, I went to the first class just to look. I was real, real nervous about it. I just wanted to, to look and meet the teacher. And she says, well, come on and join us. I said, no, I, I just wanted to check in and meet you and 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 look at the class. And I saw they were all lying there, and they looked so calm and peaceful and quiet. And I had um, two young, three young children. Um, we had moved into an old broken-down farmhouse. Everything needed replacing, the pipes, the roof, the walls needed stripping. It was built in 100 years before. We had 10 acres of soybeans and the which we released. We had outbuildings and chickens and and um um I was working like an idiot and I was getting pneumonia and uh I had breathing problems constantly and I thought something's wrong here. So when I saw that yoga class I thought, Okay, I I will come to the class next week. I did and that one yoga class changed my life, and it took four years, I have to say, for me to clear my lungs and strengthen my lungs so that I got past the respiratory difficulties. And uh, the teacher was leaving, and she asked me to teach the class because I was the one who practiced every day, obviously, and loved yoga. And then students would come up and say, would you teach another class at the field house? Uh, you know, we need another more advanced class or I can't come every Saturday, would you do another class? So I just regarded that um, the field house was free. We'd all just flop there and nobody bothered us. I mean, you know, the, the athletes did their things running on the track and we were in the middle and they didn't care. And it was at IU. At IU? This is all, all at Indiana University, IU, yes. Huh. And uh-huh. People would call me and they'd say, Linda, would you yoga me out of something? Uh, yoga me out of... <laughs> and I'd, I'd, I would drive into town. We lived eight miles out, out, out of, on our farm. I would drive mm-hmm. into town to the field house because it helped me. I loved it. And if mm-hmm. my kids were still in school until 3 o'clock, I could do that. Um, so I'd be there for two and a half hours and people would come and go. Mm-hmm. And I, I they just knew... Um, uh, sometimes I just do the one person, and, and then people would see what we were doing, and they join in. It, it, we became sort of a fixture there, doing 
free yoga and, and not paying any rent or anything. And um, finally, because uh, Bloomington uh, is uh, a very artistic community, an artist, a uh, good artist friend, student, told me she was leaving. Uh, got, she got a uh, position in D.C. and started with her name, a very good artist. She had a studio. I should rent it. And I should start teaching yoga classes and charging money officially. And I talked to my husband about it, and we decided, well, we need more space for our books, and we'll put some bookcases in, and we can sort of justify the expense. But I, I um, started charging, and I felt sort of guilty about it. But everybody said, you're not charging enough, Linda. One dollar a class isn't enough. You should be charging at least two dollars a class. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. It just evolved. It evolved. Yeah. It was a day-to-day thing, and I really didn't have any aspirations or goals for it at all. It just all evolved. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it, and I it was just so much fun. It was uh-huh. just, just really fun. Yeah. And then I love nobody, hearing that. Nobody else was teaching yoga. I was the only game in town, pretty much. Yep. There, yep. there was somebody out in the boonies um, who, whom I did know, and she and I would work together at times. Um, mm-hmm. But in general, I, I had a, an organized studio, and, and the YMCA rented space from me, and, and I developed their program. And I also developed um, the IU program because I had to do, I had to create my own competition. If I didn't, somebody else would. So I figured I may as well do it because I was asked to do it, and and I thought you know there's enough um, there are enough people around you know for to have classes everywhere, but 35 years later uh, there was a lot a lot of free classes being offered and a lot of competition, and yoga evolved. Uh, beyond the traditional meditative yoga that I was teaching, mm-hmm. so I decided it's time for me to move on. I felt like a, you know, I had um, reached a, a a good point where I could just sit back on my laurels and talk to Andrea about yoga whenever. That's that's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, and I'm the same way even. And uh, you know, right now. I think if some I was asked, I could find myself teaching either just a person or be invited to something. Um, but it's not a world I would go solicit my my teaching to at the moment. You know, I don't feel that, and it always found me, and that's just like will forever be the beauty of it. So, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for thank you because you've been like you were. Well, it was almost a decade with you, and uh, that video was great. And I can even remember that I'm just going to be so transparent. At that time, I would some of the classes were long, and some weren't. And I would like really get my yoga on, like you said, you know. I would get yoga, and and then I'd go down to my car, and I'd I'd light up a cigarette. And I was thought, oh, it's so funny. It's so funny. I go, well, at the very least, I did yoga. <laughs> I'm not gonna, yeah. You know, it, it is, it, it, it is funny. It's funny, uh-huh. but it's it's reality, and uh-huh. I understand about um, cigarettes and and addiction way more than I used to. Um, uh-huh. It's 
So that's that. I suppose that comes back to some sort of uh, ideal or perfection that isn't necessary. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And and I know that for many people, uh, smoking a cigarette is their best friend, and they can't stop. If they've been addicted for decades, it's very, very hard, um, very hard for them. I know, I understand that. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, it yeah. came with me all the way to New York, and it was in acting school that I recall one day looking at cigarettes and saying, you, you cannot have the control anymore. This is an area that is, like, telling me what to do, and I can't have it, and just threw them away, and that was it. For me, really? that's how it works. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, you were, you were ready to. Uh, you were ready yeah. to do that, and you, yeah. you were strong enough to do it. But yeah. um, it's, it won't happen in, in, until you're ready. And mm-hmm. if you're not ready, it, it's still not, you know, there are worse things, way worse things. We all have habits we're not proud of. Uh, so, but... You know, we should. I think we should embrace our our weaknesses as well. Absolutely. Just, I was just going to say that same word, embrace it. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I read as a yogi, and so do you, of course. And do you eat meat? You are you an eat eater? Oh yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. I, me I, too. Um, I'm I'm theoretically a vegetarian, which means I yeah. think it's the best. I think it's a better diet for people. However. Mm-hmm. I live in a world where um, I like meat, and people around me like meat. And I don't, I don't, I just don't want that to be a negative factor in my life. That, that I have to deny it. Um, I am again. It's tricky because I don't like what you know. Farming the animals is yeah death to them. You ha- and you make choices. And my my new daughter-in-law of three weeks is totally vegan, and we had a big vegan wedding for her. And the food was delicious. And nobody missed the meat. Nobody realized that there was no meat. But it's 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 very very tricky in the Midwest. Uh, if, and if you don't have a good long growing season and can get fresh good uh, vegetables, you you spend a lot of time chopping, 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 and cooking, cooking. And a slab of meat takes care of my husband better than <laughs> just about anything. Well, yeah, I was a, a vegetarian all those years. It, you know, I was in Bloomington, and uh, at any rate. Um, I I do need the whatever it is the amino acids and the protein in meat. Yep. Um, it just I it sets me straight and it I don't have to be um, I don't have to be concerned. So I have to follow a certain way I eat, and yet I I have people always say you're a vegetarian, right? And I think it's because of the read of the yoga and um, yeah. whatever it is that they're picking up. And I, I said no, I I actually need have an expanded yeah. diet and simple diet. I don't eat garlic and things like that. That's what bothers me. 
um, and the other people live on that. So, so that's a whole another podcast that we've touched on. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, we'll 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 think about that and work that out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Okay, well, Andrea. So much love. I love you. I'm so grateful to you, and it's been mm-hmm. a fun hour. And uh, we'll be in touch. As well, it's great. It's great to have. Um, opportunity to hear your voice and hear you say such sweet things. So thanks Mm -hmm. for getting back in touch and let's play some uh, word chums and scrabble when you get it ready someday, one day. Okay. All right. Okay. All right, Linda. Okay. North York in December, I'll look you up. I'm going to visit. All right. Okay. 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 All right. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.